Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. I am here today with one of my absolute favorite people within the EOS IO and DAP Network ecosystem, Rahman Binlish. Uh, Rahman has been a vocal leader of EOS IO since before the mainnet even launched. He has been educating the community through his YouTube channel, Investing with a Difference, through his educational seminars and workshops he's organized throughout the Silicon Valley, uh, throughout You've organized uh, events such as the Scaling Blockchain after the San Fran Hackathon. You worked with the EOS World Expo last April. Uh, and as if that isn't enough, you're also the founder of Blockstart, a Silicon Valley-based blockchain com technology company with a focus on enterprise applications and deployment of blockchain to real-world use cases with projects such as Moonlighting with 750,000 users on their platform. Blockstart is also a Genesis DAP service provider on the DAP network Woo. And you're also the first runner up from the DAP Network Hackathon. Welcome to the show, Ramon. Thank you so much for, for your time today. Thanks, Jack. I think this was amazing. So thanks for such a great introduction. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we are trying to do our bit in this exciting world of decentralized uh, networks and decentralized applications. I think we are just at the start of uh, something really big. That's what we felt. And yeah, we had, I think, Blockstart, uh, I think a lot of people know me from Investing with the Difference, which was more like a hobby project, which we were doing <laughs> when we were, we got a little too excited about yours and wanted to make sure that I uh, build an audience and try to educate people about it. But I think on uh, Blockstart, I think, yes, uh, it has been our passion for last one and a half year and been uh, trying to build this uh, uh, as like, again, this comes from our, my whole experience in the startup world, uh, trying to, be, you know, guide people. Uh, on what, but like whenever new technology comes, there's a huge opportunity. And blockchain is, I think, at that space where uh, there is a big untapped uh, potential for where what we can build. And we're trying to help as many uh, enterprise or as many uh, developers as we can uh, in this process. I remember you, so you were in Korea with me actually a couple of months ago, like October, late September, when we were there uh, for the DAP Network uh, community gathering we did out, out there. Um, and you mentioned you're also an early investor in Facebook. <laughs> um, and not, I won't call it like early, early investor as in before IPO means, of course, uh, being in, like, you know, here, which I was very excited about when Facebook went IPO and it was brought down. I think if you, if somebody was following it at that time, it crashed pretty hard after IPO, it went all the way below $20. And I think, yes, uh, <laughs> I do remember that. So this is actually the history of investing with a difference where we used to run investor communities, even before blockchain, even before of this thing. So investing with a difference is not, is not like your thing, which it has got into now, but it was uh, anything about investments. And I, that was my, my hobby always, uh, helping people understand investments, understanding uh, like the basics and the fundamentals of uh, what they are putting their money into. Uh, but yes, Facebook, I think I loved uh, when it came out as an idea of how they would really uh, benefit. And I would say I learned how bad it would be also much earlier than others, probably because I was so involved <laughs> as it started growing and people started, you know, and the way the advertisers kept flocking onto that and uh, using the data for some amazing purposes. So yes, I think I could, you can call me as like a early, like public sector, like IPO after IPO investor. And, uh, but yes, uh, that also makes me help and understand what's going on in this world because we really investigated in detail on how Facebook works. I always appreciate um, your experience and background because you have that deep understanding of, of venture funds and like investing and you actually just launched uh, the Blockstart Venture Fund. Are you even able to, to talk about that much today? 
Before we go into any of the details, I would like to first of all have a disclaimer and uh, some disclosures. Um, so all the projects uh, which we are working on, so you can safely assume that uh, all of these projects have uh, some sort of uh, personal vested interest from me and from Blockstart. So do not take anything we say as investment advice, including the EOS token and DAP token and so on. Um, we do have uh, investments in that as my personal as well as Blockstart side. Uh, so this is all for informational purposes and we are just sharing the excitement about uh, the new technologies we are building. Um, so please consider it as such. Uh, sure, I think uh, we can talk about it. I think it was in private circles uh, for last six months, but we got a 506C approval from SCC, which means that we can now publicly talk about it. So definitely I can touch base on that. Uh, but just to give you a background, right? I've always been like for the last 10 years, I've spent a lot of time in private equity, uh, as we call Web 2.0, where all these uh, Facebook, Google of the world started uh, creating bigger influence on how the internet is used. Uh, and also the cloud economy uh, started uh, growing. Uh, I was like, I've been part of many startups as an advisor and also part of some other venture funds previously. And I've seen this from up close on how the new technologies can really change the way uh, people interact uh, with each other and the big impact of you know, paradigm shifts. So when this whole blockchain thing is starting, we did, uh, set up our Blockstart Accelerator. Uh, we realized that there's a big piece missing, which is the investment piece, like the same kind of infrastructure around uh, uh, for the small startups. Um, today, the VC world has become pretty big, like uh, the billions of dollars, even our US VC fund, which uh, we all uh, refer to all the time, it sits with a billion dollar fund. And it becomes very difficult for a VC firm when they have billions of dollars of fund to look at ideas which need a $50,000 grant or $100,000 uh, investment. Uh, and they usually tend to look at much bigger and more mature ideas. So what I realized, there was a big gap. Uh, in this uh, space where people are like blockchain is in very early days. It's not like uh, uh, we cannot compare it with AI or other, other technologies which are being deployed at much mass, like on a bigger scale. So blockchain ideas do not need a million dollar funding. You can build an idea which can be a hundred thousand dollar funding and you can really make a big impact and grow it into the ideas which this big VCs want. Like ultimately today, in blockchain space, the big the biggest investment is going into exchanges in uh, like pure crypto use cases, not into uh, decentralized application use cases because we are not there yet. We are still in early stage of that, and people are still developing concepts. So I think this is where we saw the opportunity being with the experience we had, and we said we need to launch a kind of a you can call it not really a venture fund, even though it is technically a venture fund, but it can be an angel investor fund. And as you know, most of the crypto investors they are looking for the next big idea always, and they are they cannot do the same level of structured research which a fund can do and sometimes they cannot even invest in them because either you are looking at icos which were kind of uh, i would say abused uh, which uh, where there was a lot of um, misinformation and people were just uh, chasing these icos for big returns but when you look at how vcs work we look at like you know the equity like you know we don't look for tokens we look for like standard equity investments even today like let's take an example of block 1 i'm sure block 1 investment would have done much better for the investors than the EOS token for, mm -hmm. for the VCs who invested in block one at early stage when oh, EOS yeah. was launched. So I think these are some ideas like I'm sure the scale of the returns were 100x or more for block one investors. Now, how do you go and do that uh, is only through like private equity where a normal average investor does not even have access to those investments. And that's what we are trying to bring in with Blockstar Venture Fund. 
And uh, also there's a huge opportunity because the VCs are too busy looking at uh, multi-million dollar investments because of the big purse they, ca- they are carrying, where we are able to focus on early stage ideas, which were the same level when we were in 2010, for example, for internet companies, for like for uh, iPhone apps, for even cloud-based companies. All these were pretty small ideas. They were looking for like a hundred, two thousand, uh, 200K or 100K investments, not like a million of dollars investments. And blockchain is at that space. And we believe that it's a huge opportunity. And uh, we wanted to bring that uh, to the normal investors, to the uh, engine investors, uh, so that we can help them guide through this process. Uh, a few things on, on what you said. So the block one equity, 100%, you're correct on that. We saw uh, they did the equity buyback at the beginning of 2019. And everyone was all up in arms about it, but those were great returns. People that, uh, I forget what the percentage gains were, but even if you bought a year prior to that uh, buyback date, you did really, really well. And those are the opportunities that aren't really accessible to most people. How would someone get involved with this venture fund? And uh, you mentioned 506C, and uh, I, I think that might be a good spot. Why don't you explain what a 506C is and why that's actually really, really important? Okay, so I think uh, uh, SEC, of course, it's an equity fund. So it is like an equity. It's not like tokens. We cannot say oh, it's uh, anybody can invest. So mm-hmm. SEC imposes very strict uh, regulations when to whom you can offer this security. And for good reasons, because you do not want to create frauds uh, in the market. So this is called uh, Regulation D, uh, under which SEC has uh, recently, I think under the Obama's administration, there was a Jobs Act where there was uh, some uh, kind of uh, exemptions which are issued, like which is 506C, 506B, and 506D, and so on. Uh, so be- basically, these are a different class of investments. So 506B is uh, what we uh, usually, you cannot really go and talk on, for example, on YouTube or publicly about your fund, and you can uh, solicit uh, investments. 506C allows you to do that. But there is additional restriction in 506C that only accredited investors can invest in it. And usually, unfortunately, in U.S., that accredited investor status is based on certain income parameters. Uh, so you can call it as a only applicable to high net worth individuals, either who have a high uh, kind of net worth uh, over a million dollar or they earn more than $200,000 in yearly income. Uh, the good news is, though, that uh, this year, I think there was a new proposal being floated by SEC where they mm-hmm. are allowing some kind of a skill-based accredited investor status. And we are looking out for that. I think if that happens, definitely that will open up uh, the doors for even more sophisticated investors. In And I'm sure that many in crypto world, they may not have that much money, but they may be much more sophisticated than uh, the high net worth individuals who get. Uh, that, that, that's you, huge. Just because someone has a lot of money, like they probably made some good decisions along the way, but that is not a guarantee. Um, so um, the update with the SEC or the proposal from the SEC that you mentioned, I don't think it has a name, but it came out late December. And what, what are the current restrictions uh, for accreditation? You have to have a million dollars in assets, yeah. not including your house or uh, have $250,000 or more of income, I think, on your last two tax returns. Uh, it, it's something yes. like that. Um, yes, uh, more than 200000 uh, individually or 300000 with your spouse. Okay. Um, so with the, the highlights, I'll, I'll go through some of the bullet points, but the most important highlight of this SEC update, and as far as I know, it hasn't been approved. This is a proposal, but it's it's definitely a step in the right direction. So they said they want to add new categories to the definition that would permit natural persons to qualify as accredited investors based on certain professional certifications and designations, such as 
Series 7, Series 65, or 82 license, or other credentials issued by an accredited educational institution. Um, so the Series 7, the Series 65, and the Series 82 uh, those are certifications that already exist. If you want to be a financial advisor, you have to get all of these certifications to give investment advice, which I don't have those certifications. This show is never investment advice. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Um, uh, nothing's ever investment advice. We're just talking about investing. Um, but they, they left the door open with that interpretation of it, of new designations or new certifications. What they're basically saying is, if you could prove that you are educated you know that you could lose all of your money and you could be, you could manage your money properly. Then why, who has the right to hold you back from making these early stage investments? Like why should these $50,000 angel investments only be available to, to millionaires? It, it doesn't make sense. It, it's, it's locking a lot of people out. So by getting this 506 C, I, I feel like you're probably ahead of the curve here because if this proposal goes through and if, over the upcoming years or however long this takes, they come up with an education institution or a certification that regular people can get, maybe even take online, the floodgates open to, to regular retail investors to have the same opportunity as long as they can prove that they understand what they're getting into. And that, that's the SEC is trying to protect people. Um, we, we could argue against uh, how their rules are outdated, but at the end of the day, all they want to do is protect people so that they don't lose their shirts. And I think this is uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Um, the other thing that's relevant here, uh, I, I know you saw because we talked about it earlier, but the Hester Purse three-year uh, safe harbor for crypto token sales. So this is separate from uh, the Blockstart Venture Fund, but it's relevant for investing in the crypto space. What were your thoughts on that? She's kind of hinted at it for the past couple of months now, but to finally see yeah. it come out publicly, what were no, your I thoughts? Think, uh the SS commissioner has to appear. I think she's been the uh, like really godsend for crypto community because she has been talking about it. She talks in so many conferences about how uh, the regulations have to change. And now with this new proposal, I think it's very exciting. I mean, for, for me personally, because we talk to so many ideas. So in Rockstart, we have so many different startups and many of them are trying to issue a token. Uh, we go through such uh, so many iterations of how do we uh, escape from being termed as security and uh, sometimes almost scrapping the idea, uh, even though it's a very, very innovative idea, just because we think it's a risk. Mm -hmm. I think with the, if this proposal gets approved, uh, it will do open the doors for innovation, especially in the blockchain space, because uh, as we all know, I think blockchain cannot operate without some kind of token. Um, even if you're not selling that, means I'm not a big fan of selling you know, ICO tokens and so on. I am a big fan of utility tokens, uh, uh, which, can reward people like, for example, voice. You know, they are not trying to sell their voice token out in the market. They are simply trying to give you tokens and create an econ economy on on that. I think those ideas, I would say, are huge. And uh, unfortunately, with the current regulatory environment, uh, all of them are scared to even launch a UTT token. So for me, I, I think it's a huge, huge step if SEC really goes ahead and approves it. As you said, these are all proposals, and uh, we are still waiting for real action to happen. Mm. So. If all of this stuff gets pushed through, hypothetically, do you think that that will open up the doors to dividend tokens? Because those were my favorite tokens uh, during the first year of the EOS uh, public network launch was the rise of like the EOS bet or earn bet now and dice and uh, games like, I guess they're casino coins at this point, but that's just because those are the projects willing to take the risk in this regulatory gray area. But there's so many other use cases where you could potentially have a, a, to a utility token 
that that could earn yield. Do you, do you think that uh, with this updated regulation that that is something that would be on the table still, or would that be like kind of like the next iteration of regulation? So uh, to be frank, means I would uh, steer clear of you know giving my opinion on that because I'm not an <laughs> expert on uh, those because we we are focusing on enterprise. Uh, I do th- see that EOS had a huge uh, casino market and you know the tokens giving dividends. Remember one thing that uh, even if SEC comes uh, out with any of these uh, proposals, if you are issuing dividend, you are almost uh, creating an investment token, and it will fall into some sort of regulation because. Uh, there's a big chance, like if even if you go back, uh, there are a couple of good projects like this on bet and uh, dice and so on. But there were tens and twenties of like you know other casinos which were basically a Ponzi scheme where people mm-hmm. just uh, early uh, miners they just dumped the tokens on the late uh, entrant. So there's always uh, if you make it easy enough for for scamsters to come and issue these uh, tokens and yield tokens, mm-hmm. uh, ultimately people will get hurt. So I'm actually with SEC on this on saying yeah we should not make this like just uh, open doors for anybody. Uh, what they are trying to define right now in this three-year model is go and build a model which can later on be decentralized and prove it that it is uh, either a utility token or it is completely decentralized. Like Ethereum is already kind of clear from SEC side after all this investigation they did earlier and they published reports. I think uh, they believe Ethereum is decentralized. So now this is a great model where you can build a project for which lasts. Uh, I still, uh, to be personally, I think I'm not in favor of uh, uh, allowing anybody to issue tokens and raise money because three years is a long time to scam people. So we still don't yeah. want <laughs> those kind of things to happen. Um, yeah, and let me just backtrack on the, I, I think we need to grow up out of the casino phase of crypto. I think it's much bigger than that. And that's why I'm excited to have this conversation because you are working with real life businesses. This isn't like crypto projects you're working with. You're working with like real businesses, real business models where blockchain could really, really, really benefit them. Um, but the one area where a dividend token might make sense is something like an STO. Um, you're, you're pretty active in your research and talking to people in the STO space. W- what's been going on there over the last year? Because I haven't really been in tune with STOs. I think STOs are moving ahead uh, uh, very, very well. I think there are a lot of platforms coming up. Uh, there are, as even in your space, I think uh, we hear uh, what uh, Chinta is doing and with uh, with Verbly and so on. Uh, but I think, irrespective of, uh, I think a smaller domain. I think STOs are big, right? Means we have uh, uh, we had this uh, Overstock company coming out with uh, that uh, platform. Uh, T0, I believe. Zero. Then we had the Securitize. We have so many other, like I, if you go Google it right now, you will see 10 plus uh, STO platforms. So STOs are moving ahead. It's uh, I think it's the future because you don't want to be dealing with the paper uh, and paperwork and you know all those kind of things. But remember, when you're doing STOs, you're still going through the full SEC process. You're either mm-hmm. uh, exempted company under a reg A or reg B some format of security identification. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you cannot issue STOs. It's So people confuse that, oh, STO will open up the doors. It means STOs will not never be traded on Nudex. You will not have a decentralized <laughs> market for STOs. Now, so, so STOs are going to be like uh, very much regulated and they will be only traded on regulated exchanges. So while STO is big uh, for people who are trying to issue equity, and that's where I think when you say dividend tokens, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you are going to issue dividend tokens, um, people who can participate in these STOs will be uh, able to benefit from seeing the decentralized economies. But remember, it's still, as I said, it still has to be either a Reg D, Reg A 
and mm-hmm. it unless the accredited investor rules and all the other rules are not compliant you still cannot buy sto like an average person will not be able to buy sto uh, in us unless uh, when it's the same thing which applies for our our fund and mm-hmm. we are by, by the way as you said like right, we are actively looking into it so even we are looking at talk, tokenizing our fund um, like you know, this uh, even though it's an equity fund and a standard venture fund we do want to give the benefits of blockchain to our investors uh, and it is definitely uh, the transparency which blockchain brings in the kind of decentralized transfers from one user to another those are great features of token economy um, mm-hmm. and i think uh, that's something which we are all excited about and i do see sto being relevant uh but i don't think they are replacing uh, the or normalizing the utility tokens of the crypto of the world so what i think what uh, uh, commissioner pierce is saying is that you can probably build utility tokens or decentralized networks which do not need to be stos which can be mm-hmm. the way ethereum is or bitcoin is which are not recognized as securities and i think that's much bigger what the recent announcement of you know proposal of this three year plan which mm-hmm. people can raise even raise money which which is very surprising for me it means i would you know be very careful on saying allowing raising money mm-hmm. but uh, just to issue a token and decentralizing it over a period of 3 year is a great great proposal it can open up the doors for innovation and uh, those need not be sto means i think mm-hmm. stos will be very slow because of the regulations around them for stos to move forward i think uh, the the first proposal we talked about the one that came out in december that adds new categories to what an accredited vet investor is it it would still require that certification so it's still a much smaller market than everybody which is what the Hester purse uh proposal would allow and just so people know what we're talking about here I'll just read a few snippets from the article and it, it, they want to create a strict set of requirements for crypto projects to raise funds through a token sale or no token sale including requiring personal disclosures code disclosures public notices and a number of other factors including due diligence on the team and i i wish they had that stuff as a requirement back in 2017 because that was always <laughs> the hardest part of doing your research is you're relying on a linkedin profile and this guy's picture that someone could have just stole like you don't you can't do due diligence properly on the internet like with a website you need background information you you need that due diligence and i think if you go through the due diligence and get this certification or stamp of approval or whatever it is then you can move forward um the biggest thing that stood out to me on on was at the end of this article and she said i'll, I'll just read the entire quote so at the end of the 3 year grace period so I, I, let me backtrack you get 3 years from the time you distribute your token to decentralize it and prove that you are a utility token if you're not a utility token they basically have a, they want to create a way that lets you pivot and basically become a security token uh but otherwise they say you've passed all our tests and you're now utility mm-hmm. token you do not have to worry about the SEC ever breathing down your neck ever again but it says here at the end of the grace period the initial development team will have to determine whether the token transactions constitute security transactions and then the team should look to create liquidity for the token by securing secondary trading markets uh which remain compliant with money transmission and all that stuff so basically like your coinbase is your kraken your regulated exchanges they're basically saying here yeah once you go through this 3 year period go talk to exchanges like which is what teams should be doing anyway but they're not allowed to <laughs> because yeah. of the rules like how crazy is it that you have like these projects i mean i'll use block 1 for an example like they weren't able to get eos listed on exchanges that probably a lot to do with their ico being ongoing like during that process but this is just the natural progression of any project you have to get listed but right now it's like 
can't talk price, can't talk exchanges, can't talk this or that. And this was a breath of fresh air that they're thinking about this and realizing like, it doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very ambitious uh, proposal. I, I'm not very hopeful it will get passed because <laughs> the strict regulatory environment. Uh, but if even if like 50% of it get passed in some form, I think it would be a lot of progress mm-hmm. here. Um, I mean, it's just, it might take longer. I mean, all of the old guard will, will be retiring, getting out of <laughs> office, and then the new guard will come in. I remember I was at a conference like two years ago, and this uh, guy, he was some regulator on the CFTC or something. He was saying, yeah, all of the interns and like junior employees in our offices, I forget what government, I think it might've been the SEC. He's like, you know, they all have side jobs. They have these part-time jobs. And I said, what, what's that? He said, altcoins. It was was like, it was like during the the better times. And this guy from the SEC was just saying that like the younger generations working at, at these offices of all these regulatory units, they all know what's up. Like that's the future. Like hopefully it doesn't take until everyone retires, but uh, it's getting better. Uh, I, I think we talked about the climate regulatory. Uh, I want to get into the projects. So today you announced on Twitter, on your social media, on everywhere, uh, a, a, a laundry list of, of new deployments. Uh, so you're, you're coming hard and fast here. Let's talk about DAP accounts first. What is DAP accounts? All right. So uh, I think you are going to hear it first. I hope we are able to get uh, this going by the time this show streams. But basically what we are working on, um, we have seen like crypto or even blockchain adoption being the biggest challenge is uh, onboarding users. Uh, EOS was, I think, one of the biggest uh, advantage where we said, oh, you can come and you can create usernames which are easy to pronounce. And uh, you can, uh, but then people started talking about resource management even just holding keys. I think the biggest friction is how do you store your keys safely? There are passphrases. There are a lot of other ways, the hardwares which we use, uh, like Ledger and so on. So what we did is for dApps, uh, they don't, I think they will never get mass adoption with this kind of a model where we cannot have people carrying keys or remembering passphrases. So what we have done with dApp account, using Liquid Apps, Liquid Account technology, which is Liquid Accounts is amazing because it allows you to create as many accounts as you want. Uh, for free. Uh, and then as a DSP, we learned through this process, we've done some custom changes to this model. And what we are doing with DAP account, as we call it, uh, you can log in with any machine into your account. You can interact with DAPs. You, can, you don't have to worry about keys, wallets. It will be stored in your device. And you can recover those even if you lose them by simple two-factor authentication with your phone, with your email. And just like what we do with our bank accounts, when you go and you log in and uh, that says that, okay, can you trust this computer? And you just store your, uh, like, you know, pre, uh, you don't have to do two-factor authentication every time you go. So similarly, you will already be logged in on your device if you trust this computer and you will be able to go and in either own the tokens, even participate in governance. For example, if you remember, we did this uh, hackathon and our project was to bring centralized exchange tokens uh, to go vote uh, and even uh, stake uh, into Rex and so on. Uh, now this will be possible. I think it's impossible for us to go change what centralized exchanges are doing. But if people open up DAP accounts, they can bring the tokens here uh, because they will have the convenience of centralized exchanges that is holding the tokens without wallets. Uh, but uh, they should be able to interact with even the DeFi system, even with the uh, staking for proxies, earning rewards. Uh, so the, all these things we are visualizing as uh, happening through DAP account, and we are inviting DAPs. Like if you, like for example, what Moonlighting did, 
for their user base, they do, did not want users to have wallets. They did use the custodial service, which is a third-party custodial, which is OID, which is a great service. We have been using them, and it's like really amazing, right? That you do not have to worry about it. You can log in with your Google and Facebook accounts. Uh, what we are going, we are saying is, some people do not like custodial services. So this offer is where you are the custodian, where you are holding the keys in your computer, and using Liquid Account and using the DSPs, you are able to access your accounts. Um, and that's how we are trying to visualize the dApps, so where dApps can integrate with the other users on the platform uh, who are average users, who are not crypto-friendly people, who are people who can inter- interact with dApps just by their emails or their phone numbers. The use cases are insane. So I'm, I'm just looking at the features on the website. So you could own or transfer tokens. So you could transfer tokens. In- interact with dApps with your, your scatter wallet. Uh, multi-device access, participate in governance. And all of this is done for free for the user. So the user just literally goes to the website, they plug in their phone number, and then they create their account. And then that, that account is associated with whatever hardware device that they created their account with. So if I did it, uh, if I set up my first account on my iPhone, my iPhone is basically uh, my private key. Is, is that a good analogy there? Is it like your, your hardware yeah, so basically we, we store. Yeah, so basically we store the key on the, like in the on, encrypted, just like you can visualize it like scatter. When you go and set up your scatter, uh, scatter stores the keys on your device, uh, on your computer, and you do not have to go enter your private keys every time when you're mm-hmm. using scatter. So if your scatter is on, all the dApps just pop up and they sign the transaction. That's what you do today. So this is exactly what we are doing. The only change is that in this case, because we are using liquid accounts, we are able to recover those accounts uh, on any device. And plus, you can use the same account from multiple devices. So that's right. Uh, we store the key encrypted on the device. That's uh, That's the model we are using. So th- that that eliminates, so how many, it's a, removing a lot of headaches. So one, no external downloads. So let's use the centralized exchange example here. So if I have my EOS tokens on Coinbase, Coinbase doesn't have any earning programs. I can't vote. Um, but if I want to move my tokens off of Coinbase, if you've ever tried to uh, educate someone on how to do this, it's a lot more complicated than all of us already in EOS think. You got to, first, you got to get a scatter wallet. You gotta buy. You gotta somehow transfer funds to to buy the RAM required for your EOS account to even create it in the first place. Then you gotta import that into Scatter if you didn't buy it from Scatter. It's just like a lot of steps. So with DAP account, basically, I have my tokens on EOS. I go to DAP account. I just create an account with my phone. Never have to download anything. Uh, it's just no keys to manage. And then from Coinbase, I go there and I withdraw my funds from Coinbase. I send it to. How would I do it with an, an EOS account name and then okay. something in the memo? Probably to identify. So, so DAP account. So we will have a DAP account contract account name. And then there will be a memo which will be on your DAP account account as you log in. We will, just like exchanges do, they give you mm-hmm. a memo which goes and which takes the uh, tokens from exchange. And we will allocate it in the VDAM. So what, uh, if, if people who are more familiar with liquid accounts technology, so basically liquid accounts uh, allow you to store the keys and uh, your individual table. So basically VDAM holds your token balance on the uh, on the chain so it's like if we can create a browser so that's our future features where we will be able to allow you to see all your actual on chain activity and so on but basic idea is that your tokens go into your entry on the vram in the liquid account uh, as we see so the memo is basically the v account name we call it the liquid account name uh, but again, this is all hidden. We, we don't even want people to know their account names. Means this is just like a code. Like when you send mm-hmm. the tokens to an exchange, you get some kind of a reference mm-hmm. code for yourself, right? Means which identifies your account on the exchange. 
Similarly, there will be something which will be available in your DAP account. Uh, and DAP account is simply just going to the website. So dappaccount.com, you go there and you are able to do whatever you want without even worrying about what your liquid account name is. You will be able to see your tokens. So basically in DAP accounts, you will be able to see all your tokens. Uh, and as we integrate more and more tokens, you will be able to see all your tokens. It will be an individual table in on-chain in VRAM, which uh, somebody can go and verify that whatever we are showing in the dashboard is the same thing which you are seeing on-chain on VRAM and which can be verified uh, on EOS mainnet through, through as you said, with any DSP can verify that. Uh, but of course, this uh, will take time to go and develop all the verification tools, uh, but we will be working on this with other DSPs as we go along. Uh, but I think the basic idea is all of these things we are asking because we are crypto people. We care about oh, what is on-chain and so on. Mm -hmm. If you go to like an average user who is trying to interact with dApps, they don't care. They don't even care about verifying on on uh, on chain. What they care about is can they get the benefits of blockchain, and if the DAP itself is bringing the benefit of blockchain to users without them knowing what is blockchain, I think that's a future we envision. That's where we say that okay, the enterprise customers with whom we talk to, they are not looking to say oh how do I give token to somebody. What they are looking to do is how do I add value to my use case without telling people that I'm using blockchain. And that is where I think uh, the biggest benefit we can bring, where people do not have to, like when we say airdrops, yes, it's a great feature of blockchain, but it's again, people need to understand what is the token. Uh, the airdropping can be as simple as uh, giving some kind of a marketing money to people, right? It need not be a token which people have to interact with. And DAP account can allow you to do those kind of token transfers, verification of the people, like where these are real people whom we gave the tokens and they are coming and uh, spending it. You can actually, that's a benefit of blockchain, not uh, having people holding wallets. So wallets is a, a kind of a necessary evil of uh, blockchain where you need to have those. So our DAP account idea came into existence because our goal is to work with DAPs who are going to be able to use the uh, average user who doesn't care about wallets. That brings us to our next topic. Average users, onboarding users, real world use cases, enterprise, Organic community market. So this is, uh, I guess, your second enterprise project coming out of the Blockstart Accelerator. Moonlighting, obviously, being the first with their 750,000 users, which I've probably <laughs> repeated about 100 times this year. Um, but yeah, what's the, what's the organic community market? Where did the idea come from? And what makes it enterprise? All right. So yes, I think uh, we have, as I've been telling, even during many of these previous interviews and talks about moonlighting, like we do have many projects in our accelerator and we are working with enterprise. Our organic community market has been going on for some time. Unfortunately, it took us a little longer than what, because it's a ground up project. It's being built just for blockchain, right from the, like from the real basics. What it is, it's basically providing you direct producer to consumer food delivery, which is like the ingredients, organic ingredients, which uh, I think all of us nowadays are moving towards organic. It's, there's a lot of health consciousness uh, all around us. The, what we are seeing is the organic market is kind of distributed across uh, either you're, when you're buying online, you're either buying through Amazon, you're buying through some other markets, and the prices from producer to consumer becomes three or four times of what they should be if you're buying directly from producers. And it's very difficult for you to buy certified verified uh, organic produce uh, when you're going and buying in your local markets, which is great. I mean, we do encourage everybody to buy in their local markets, but people still look for those FDA seals and so on and all these ingredients. 
so I think what we have been working with certain producers uh, who are like one of the promoters who came to us and they were working with uh, looking for ideas on blockchain. And we have developed a membership model where you can de- you can buy an online membership. You can uh, go and buy these uh, products directly from producer at a very big discount from what you will otherwise get from Amazon. And uh, you are cutting down all the middlemen of course, you're not getting going to get like free shipping. But what we have realized is that shipping cost is very, very small portion. When you pay at Amazon, you actually end up paying for four times the shipping cost just by, by paying more for the same produce. So those kind of things, we will bring the benefit. And by using blockchain, we are also making it more like a user-driven, the actual user-driven market where users can give feedback through their membership. Uh, we can track that on blockchain we can allow them to have bigger voice if they are the bigger user of the platform and we can actually know real users and separate out you know loud voices from actual users who make uh, opinions about the market and how to improve so that's a very very big deal for producers who want to sell and connect with the consumers directly not through the middlemen uh, of the big corporates today sounds like a, a great use case but i, I said this Last week, I said, forget where I said it. I said it to someone. I said, I show people and not projects. Uh, who are the people behind this project that that make this project uh, legitimate and have, a, a, in my opinion, I think it has a very good chance of, of success? Sure. So I think uh, uh, Eric Botner, he's the main promoter. He is comes from the Earth Circle frames. I don't know many people I talked to, means as I was working with him, I learned when I talked about Earth Circle Organics. I realized a lot of people were already buying our circle organics. So he's uh, he was uh, w- one of the partners there. He came out of that. Uh, he exited that uh, deal because he wanted to build he, uh, build something on blockchain. And he's the main promoter. He's the CEO. Uh, and I'm the advisor from Blockstart side. We are working with him. Uh, we have uh, Bal Singh, who is uh, currently operating the technical side of it. I'm sure people can join the social media and so on. We will we'll start announcing more and more details, uh, as uh, we call it. When a company comes out of block start, we call them graduation. When they go out in public and we start, we launch the project. So they are just going through the graduation process this week and uh, we, they are launching. Um, so I'm sure people will be able to interact with all the people. We need to also understand that uh, this team itself is not like in a typical crypto crowd. Uh, these are people from enterprise world. They are not like always available and used to the Telegram models and mm-hmm. uh, not easy to touch base with. So we will help them. We are building a community for them. We have hiring people who can really manage the community. But I'm, I'm sure there will be opportunities we can bring them uh, for an interview probably. I'm sure you, you would be excited mm-hmm. about that part. Uh, but yeah, we need to also appreciate the part that uh, this is like the average world, which is uh, <laughs> not into YouTubes and Telegrams of the world. <laughs> so these Yeah, Telegrams is such a tiny little speck of the world. Like this is, this is the pie we want to get a piece of. And that's what you're doing. You're leading the way on. Um, what, what challenges ha- have you faced with onboarding enterprise in the blockchain, like whenever you're first approaching a company, like if if they're still on the fence of do I or do I not need blockchain, is it going to create more problems than it's worth? Like, how do you approach those issues, and how do you, how do you how do you meet those challenges? Or, or I think uh, the big biggest challenge is, of course, which we touched upon in the early part of the show, that is the regulations, because as you bring in blockchain, um, sometimes like for a big part of the crowd, even. EOS or blockchain is a dirty word uh, in in uh, like where we are saying, okay, there's something illegal going on with all because of the bad name ICOs created for blockchain in 2017 mm-hmm. and all the SEC crackdowns. So that is the biggest challenge. First of all, so we need to work with them on why blockchain. I think the biggest thing is how do you con- uh, show them the benefits? 
many of these enterprise customers are already know about uh, like what is blockchain they already are investigating uh, they just don't understand how they can navigate this process and bring the value to the people um, so this is exactly i think one more thing which i wanted to highlight in like when we were working for blockstack ventures as a fund we go into too much like to a lot of research on the market size on what's really happening so right now let me tell you more than 50% of us corporates are investing dollars in blockchain it's wow. it doesn't sound like you know it is true but when we really go into the research and if you even like research on idc and some one of the biggest research houses in us what they are telling us is in last two or three years almost 50% of the big corporates have spent at up to 5 million dollars on blockchain whether it is in a study or on prototyping on actually deploying in various stages different companies are deploying blockchain uh, so it's not very difficult to get into conversation what is difficult is to bring them to public blockchains to show them like you know we can really get the benefits of blockchain beyond cost saving because the first biggest use case of blockchain is cost saving which ibms of the world are doing with hyperledger another thing which is a huge benefit but it is all private blockchains but i am i think what we are trying to do is bringing new use cases using public blockchain i think that's a totally different discussion and that's where i think the enterprise customers uh, really get surprised with the kind of models we can build where we can say that uh, this is something which is going to be groundbreaking and uh, but beyond that it's it's pretty easy i think they don't care i mean there there's no maximalism in enterprise world nobody knows uh, like ethereum is better or eos is better <laughs> all they care for is can you make this use case happen and how do you justify deploying blockchain for benefit of my end user that's what they care for where does uh dap network fit in all that? <laughs> <laughs> i think from a dap network perspective yes so people who first jump onto eos i think eos we have been like you know working on eos mostly because uh, that's how we see you can scale um the dap network is uh, very very useful when we hit those scaling issues so as soon as i, I think one example is dap account itself which we just announced the dap account is only possible because of liquid apps and uh, because of the dap network uh otherwise you still cannot get away from the whole idea of uh, you know we, we cannot assign multiple keys to a single account or all those things which are happening at base layer now you do not have to change base layer now you can do the same thing with the in, in another layer which is the liquid accounts uh, and uh, which is the vram where you can scale to any level in terms of how much data you need you don't have to worry about the ram cost you don't have to worry about issuing individual accounts to each user so it's without doubt i think as i keep telling in telegram and many other places where people ask me this question liquid apps and the dap network is a set of tools it's not means i don't like the word layer 2 to, to be frank because um, i don't know what's how best to put it but um, a lot of people have started calling it layer 2 mm -hmm. uh, i call it a set of tools which can allow you to build any model you want which is not tied to the base layer so you can basically free up from the base layer constraints using liquid apps Uh, and the dap network tools and yeah. that's how i see it rather than seeing it as a necessarily a layer 2 because layer 2 the problem is people start seeing very fixed rigid ideas because if you define a layer 2 people say oh is it multi chain is it like you know uh, like do i have to use liquid chain no you don't have to use liquid chain always you can you can build a mixed model and uh, if you know the technology i think very few people understand the technology people just see a picture or a one interpretation <laughs> of a technology and that becomes too rigid in their mind so that's why i would say liquid apps is amazing thing i think without them we would not have reached here 
in terms of getting the scalability for enterprise. Building an MVP is great on EOS today, but scaling on EOS is uh, being made possible by that network. I would say that is uh, amazing set of tools, and we are like we are fans of that. Means I, I can tell you that I have told this many times that we are spending fifty percent of our time in Blockstart on Liquid Apps technology, and then we do other work on like you know <laughs> building the idea. Wow! Yeah, you're right though about the terminology. I mean. We ourselves at Liquid Apps have called it second layer. We use the term middleware a lot now. And it's hard because you have to kind of like describe things within the scope that people are going to understand. And this is something that like really, there's no context for it. It didn't exist before. So it's really hard to express these ideas. So you try to use terms people do understand like second layer. And we saw like last week in DC when Dan was asked about second layer and he was describing a version of a second layer solution that we've we've seen and heard of before, but what he was describing was parallel chains, which like if, if you've heard us talk about like liquid chains and uh, uh, working with parallel blockchains to increase through increase throughput, uh, we're on the same page here. Uh, so it's just a matter of how you interpret layer two. And I think you're right, like that term probably does need to go by the wayside. And right now we're using middleware as the term. And I think that's a better term for it, but really it's extending your toolkit. It's giving extra tools. So if you're like a, a carpenter, it's like, we're giving you a whole new tool set. We give you a brand new belt. Like we're basically giving you like the Batman utility belt that lets you do it, whatever the hell you want and uh, yep. climb up skyscrapers and stuff. <laughs> and that brings us to, to the third project uh, you're launching. And it is in partnership with another DAP service provider, DAP Solutions, which is uh, founded by Jason Kemp, who I, I know really well. He's a great guy. He's an um, audiologist. He's a doctor up in uh, Canada. Uh, deep experience in, in business and corporations. He's passionate about blockchain, just like you and I, just like all of our audience. Um, and, and you guys are finally ready to make public something that you've been working on for at least the last half a year or so. Yep. And I think uh, Jason and me, we met in uh, DC first time. And uh, since then, we are just rolling. Like, I think he has a great vision. And uh, this pro project we are going to talk about, this is called Blockument. Um, as you know, I think the biggest issue today in uh, real world, even forget about smart contracts. First of all, our Blockument goal, let me ex explain what is Blockument. Blockument is enforcing smart contracts in real world. Like you create real documents which can be produced in arbitrations, in courts, and so on. Um, and from that perspective, what we are calling it is like, you know, uh, documents on blockchain. So we call it enforceable smart contracts, but it can work the other way. So I'm getting even more excited about it because as we dig deeper into it, we realize that it's not just smart contract going to real world, but the real world coming to smart contract. And which is where there's even bigger use case, which exists, which is about uh, the traceability of actual actions. Uh, some of these ideas, which are today, when you use digital signatures, they are not foolproof. They are not acceptable everywhere. With blockchain, you can actually make that gap uh, to be you know, closed and you can really make progress on uh, proving the audit auditability and traceability of those uh, digital interactions. And I think that's what we are aiming for with Blockument. It's a big, big enterprise project. Again, uh, we are not expecting this to be you know, a, a standard crypto project. It will be more of a SaaS service with uh, a lot of implications on how uh, blockchain world operates. So I think we are very excited about it. And I think Jason is a great uh, person to work with in terms of uh, the like kind of excitement he has about building these ideas. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, <laughs> we are we are very excited to be partnering with the Dev Solutions on this. And uh, within, I think you will see those very soon. We are 
announcing it. Uh, it will be launching in next couple of months, uh, but I think we are announcing it this weekend. Um, and I think th- this is the show where everything comes out. So yes. <laughs> this is a it's, good, every, it's is everything block starting Ramon today, man. You are, you don't do anything <laughs> small, do you? It's go big or go home with everything you're doing, everything we've talked about. Um, I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> where can we go from here? So, uh, okay. You, you go bigger, you go home. So basically Blockument, you're trying to create DocuSign-like functionality. So DocuSign, I think, is a term most people can understand. Is that essentially what this is? Is DocuSign on EOS blockchain? Uh, okay, so I would be a little careful here, not inviting competition right away <laughs> when we're <laughs> launching. But, uh, but I think uh, DocuSign is a very, very uh, kind of uh, use specific use case. I think I would say it is, even bigger than uh, that in a pre- in pres- terms of perspective. Um, what we are trying to highlight is think about solving uh, any blockchain uh, contract arbitration. Like, you know, means EOS, I think everybody knows ECAF. I think everyone who is involved, like, it was <laughs> right, not enfor- uh, it is not enforceable. It did not work. But it, having said that, it was not a bad idea. You still need some sort of arbitration in the real world mm-hmm. when you have real people involved and people losing money, then um, there are multiple parties involved. Uh, I think, uh, and these are the things which we can implement. I think this is one of the first goal which we are bringing with Blockument, where we can enforce these things and provide opt-in, uh, higher layer uh, kind of arbitration model, where you, because base layers arbitration doesn't work. That's what we saw with ECAF. What works is a DAP-specific uh, opt-in arbitration. Uh, for example, like DAP accounts, we can have arbitration because like DAP account is holding your tokens and we would definitely would love to provide this arbitration opportunity if mm-hmm. there are conflicts uh, and it is technology, mistakes happen, there are bugs, there can be something which can lead uh, to issues. Uh, and uh, the thing is, all of these apps, like when you go to casinos, you spin the dice and, you know, that money never came back. And they said, oh, you know what? This transaction was lost in a, in a micro fork on EOS because of the block producers dropped the blocks. Mm-hmm. So uh, oh, think about terrible. this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> these are the kind of things where like you you threw in like you, you are a big better. You were betting like 1,000 EOS and suddenly you said, oh, nobody saw those EOS. They just disappeared. Um, anyway, I mean, I'm just saying that a lot of things can happen. I, mean, I may be technically incorrect the way I described this particular issue. Uh, but what I'm trying to highlight is uh, things happen. And uh, we believe that uh, smart contracts need arbitration. We are building that. Uh, the second part is bringing, as you said, DocuSign. It's a good question. Uh, I would say DocuSign, what is DocuSign? When you send a, get an email link that go sign here, you can forward that link to anybody and anybody can sign it. Mm-hmm. It's not traceable. It's not auditable. It's all about a link based, based on email. And on blockchain, if uh, we can provide, definitely provide the same functionality, but we can go one step further where we can say that uh, you own these keys and nobody else can just sign it, even if they get the link. If you're not logged in with your real wallet, you cannot really sign that uh, uh, DocuSign. So these are the kind of things which we can fix, which uh, are the holes in uh, uh, digital signature world. I'm I'm just imagining like what this would look like. So like whenever I log into my my bank and I'm on a new device, it says, hey, you're logged into a new device, check your email and click this link. That's how you verify it. So in in this case, it would say, okay, we don't recognize this advice or this device because your key's not uh, embedded in there locally with the DAP account. So it would say, verify this device with a device that is authorized. So you'd have to use your phone, which has your private key embedded in it to basically add the second device. So it's like, it's removing a, a huge security vulnerability with that link in your email. Anyone can click that link. 
Um, so, so that's huge. Um, but writing a, of the smart contracts itself. So how do you simplify like the rules of a contract? So something simple, like you give me this digital item and then in return, I give you this digital token in exchange. How do you, how does a regular user create that smart contract? Is DocuSign going to make it really easy to, or not DocuSign, is, is Blockument going to make that really easy? No, I think uh, we are not trying to create uh, new use cases for blockchain. What we are saying is if you have a smart contract, if you are already operating, we can bring kind of uh, arbitration and enforcement of that smart contract in real world by bringing that. Uh, then in terms of the actual document creation, we are actually also working on ideas where these documents will be actually stored as an NFTs or like, you know, or ent entities, whatever you can call wow. it. Uh, so the basic idea is that these will be all artifacts stored as real documents, which will be used for arbitration. You can even go produce them in court later on with audit tracing and so on. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of uh, great ideas which are flowing. Again, means we have a big legal team being planned for it to make it you know enforceable in court so it's still going to take some time but uh, these are ideas and i don't want this to go is... give all of our secret sauce right now <laughs> this, <laughs> but... this is huge this is like mind-blowing because opt-in arbitration is the key when, when it's already when it, you're forced to agree to an arbitrator that you didn't agree to like we saw with ecaf that's where you run into issues but if it's opt-in like I could see like wallet providers offering like arbitration, like you don't have to use, like you could just work on the base layer if you want to. But if you, and I think that's kind of like what voice is trying to do too. I know that they're going to have like key recovery features. Like they have to have uh, some sort of, I don't know if it'll be programmatic arbitration or, or what, but there has to be a, a way to um, enforce like human elements and intent and stuff. So someone has to arbitrate, disagreements yeah. like you can't just rely on code is law for everything uh code is law could be everything uh which is like what you're forced to do but you should be able to opt in to whatever the hell you want um yes. so who would be the arbitrators because this is like new ground here so are you thinking like traditional arbitration businesses would uh eventually offer like arbitration services for these blockchain like yes so this will be uh, certified arbitrators with experience. We are going to lead a team. Uh, so I think, again, I'm uh, maybe I'm not the right person to comment on this because this is the part where Jason is doing a lot of work. Uh, so this is where I think we are trying to build a professional arbitration uh, model, which is very well recognized internationally. This is not going to be a local jurisdiction because as you know that under the New York Convention, uh, the arbitration was identified as a legal resolution across the world. It will be, it, so, and that's where I think decentralized econ economies need. When we talk about decentralization, when we talk about blockchain-based projects, they are worldwide, they are not like local. Mm -hmm. So today when you go and you have any issue with your centralized exchange, the only way you can do it is you can just, uh, you know, keep calling their customer care <laughs> and you know, try to solve this issue. What we are trying to do when we are bringing like DAP account, we are bringing like this uh, organic community market and we are bringing any blockchain based project where we talk about decentralizing people owning their own stuff and relying on code. There's no way, there's no customer care you can go to because uh, now you are in conflict with the contract or with the contract provider. So mm -hmm. the only way you can solve it is with the third party arbitration. And I think that's where all these See things if you see what we announced today. These are individual projects which came out totally independently from uh, you know there was no relation. But when we talked together, we realized that we can really add value to each other. And again, this is another thing which we do at Blockstart, where we 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 bring uh, collaborations. We we bring bring 
your pilot customers sometimes <laughs> where we say that <laughs> all all of our projects can be pilot customers for each other <laughs> that's what we do that's great uh is is dap account going to be integrated with all of these products that that you've mentioned today or i guess the two organic community and blockument sure so i think uh, this is again a dap account is a service which blockstart is announcing and it's available to anybody not just for our own projects in blockstart but anybody who wants to integrate uh, so we are inviting everybody organic community market uh, i can already announce that they do see that all their users would not have wallets and they've like if i'm buying uh, you know a maca root or you know i'm buying almond flour i don't need to know about blockchain so mm-hmm. of course i <laughs> you are talking about people you're talking about people who do uh, who just simply want to go and access their membership so yes whatever blockchain component we enable for them it will be through some sort of dap account integration all those things are being worked out right now uh, mm-hmm. blockument same thing i would say uh, definitely they are, uh, we are interested but these are individual entities the decision will be made over time when the launch happens and mm-hmm. how the user requirements are uh but i would say that uh, anybody i have talked to any dap um, nobody has said they don't want dap account so um our goal is to simplify usage and that's what we are trying to do here um so i want daps to contact you because this is something since liquid accounts was announced the, at, at first the first time i don't remember when the time frame was but this has been something that dap, daps have wanted but what what you created was you made it even more simple for them to integrate it so if if i'm a dap um how easy would it be to plug in dap accounts into my app uh from what i currently have today all right so i think uh, if you're a dap uh, it will be if you all about you know a token or integrating with you know a wallet uh, it will be much easier for us and we can do it uh, with a very simple model you can contact us so the link for contacting will be there on the website um and you can go just enter your idea um we are right now already working on some integrations so uh, we definitely would take it uh, as uh, things go along but i think it depends a lot on how much interaction you want if you want every contract action to be signed by dap account uh, then the scope keep expanding mm-hmm. and uh, technically it is very uh, much much feasible it's more of a matter of uh, defining the effort involved from both sides and uh, we will it's a still alpha launch for us as dap account we are planning to do some tools and some easy way to integrate as uh, we time goes along and we build this a more mature platform uh, and how we will we will definitely share more details but at this moment if you are really waiting for this kind of a feature and if you are a dap do contact us and we can prioritize and work with you uh, as needed because our goal is to make this accessible to everybody uh, more most almost everybody for the on the user side and as many dapps as we can I'm I'm excited to create my dap account. We're recording this on Thursday. This is probably going to come out on Friday. So hopefully I'll get to have my first dap account before I publish this, but if not, uh, I'll have one soon enough. Um so this is all really exciting as you remind that everyone it's either alpha or beta product. So I guess set your expectations but understand like everything we talked about the roadmap is deep. Uh the features on your roadmap are, are extensive and I'm looking forward to seeing how all of these things grow and benefit each other there's a lot of synergy between everything you you've talked about today um there's another big beta coming out next week we're one week away from the voice beta what are your expectations for that oh this is big right I means everybody's It's huge i, I want to see i want to see what they open source I, i don't expect them to open source at all but i i think the biggest thing is just like like seeing the technology like we know it's <laughs> multi-chain in some way Uh we know they have probably content addressable storage. I want to see how they're handling that. 
Like I, I kind of not even so much myself look at the tech. I want to basically talk to people like you and Tal after you look at the tech and Peter K and hear your opinions on it. But but what what is you excited for? Like what are you looking forward to to seeing out of the voice launch think, as, a, as a user and as a technologist? No, I think uh, the as a user, I'm very excited about you know how it evolves, right? Means uh, can we really create uh, what everybody's envisioning, right? Means the, the real people. Uh, interacting and creating value. And of course, the gaming system of the voice tokens will be great to watch out for how people, it's everybody tries to game the system, right? Means to gain more and more value. <laughs> I'll and, like your uh, posts if you like mine or mine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. exactly. And, and I would love to see, Ms. Dan always talks about how uh, they are building a model which uh, can be game proof. And I would love to do that. And I would love people to try breaking it. And as it is a beta, I'm sure they will keep oh, fixing those. try. <laughs> and uh, but I think I think I'm a little more like muted in my expectation because of two reasons. Uh, when the beta is launched, as Brandon said on the Twitter, that uh, it is going to be a slow rollout with individuals because KYC is not an easy process. It takes time. So mm -hmm. as they invite, let's say they invite hundred people and they are going through the KYC process, I'm sure there will be some hiccups initially. And uh, I would love to see how. Uh, easy it is to go through that process and if they have done anything special for that mm -hmm. i would love to see uh, how fast they can bring on the people i would love to see them sharing numbers like how many people have signed up for beta and mm -hmm. how many are they on onboarding i would love to see the transparency they have promised and uh, see if uh, we can um, all these things are my expectations but again as i said i'm not expecting huge things because it's a beta it mm -hmm. is uh, going to take slow rollout because they cannot do kyc of a thousands of people in one day uh, so I'm sure this will be a kind of, uh, we should not be just, uh, holding our breath for, you know, a blast on first day. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I've set my expectations. I've learned my lesson guys. I'm, I'm not <laughs> hyping this up too much. I want everyone's expect. I, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised in some things though. I think maybe we'll be underwhelmed in one area, but I think we're going to be absolutely overwhelmed in another area. I think there's going to be at least some sort of surprise like that, but I think the expectations are expected to be a beta expected to have some hiccups and bugs, but, but that's, we're, we're on the ground floor of something that could potentially be big. And like you said, we'll be able to like monitor the usage statistics in a way, because even though it'll be on a test net, uh, I'm assuming that they'll have some sort of block explorer to look through that test net. And, uh, speaking of test nets, did you have a chance to test out, uh, the new block one test net that they, uh, deployed like a week um, or two ago? Uh, not really, because uh, unfortunately, yes, means, uh, or fortunately, community has been doing great work and we mm -hmm. have some amazing Kylene and Jungle test nets. So thankfully, we were not waiting for Block 1 <laughs> to yeah. launch this I, test net. <laughs> I, 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 I did, went through the process of onboarding myself just to like see what that process was. You're right. Like anyone developing on EOSIO today probably is using Jungle or Kylene, but I think this is more for like, bringing on enterprise, which seems to be their focus lately. Um, and it made it super easy. Like I didn't have to uh, use a faucet. I was able to just create an account, no wallet. Um, they had a nice flow there. And I was just wondering if you saw it, but anyone, uh, I guess, who hasn't tried it yet, just, just, just give it a whirl. It takes like five minutes. That's all I put into it. But I, I like seeing some of the stuff they're doing for making uh, development easier. It's the same thing we're doing at Liquid Apps. It's like, Developers, it's like a Steve Ballmer thing. Developers, developers, developers. You have to make it as easy as possible, give them the best tools. And I think with like the Gitpod uh, environments that they created, we also created our, for Zeus SDK at, at Liquid Apps, we have the Gitpod. If you haven't tried that, uh, that's amazing. 
Um, what other stuff are you looking forward to in 2020? Let's let's probably wrap this up here soon. Like this is going to be such a big year. Like you can feel it. I, we barely ever talk about price on this show, but the market feels strong. I almost am getting worried that I'm feeling bullish right now because that's usually like a counter indicator. But like technology, I, I guess we can set the market aside. Hope, hopefully that'll go up. We all want it to go up. But as far as like technology and expectations for 2020 like what do you, what do you hope to see as far as advancements and all of that i mean uh, i think uh, i would love to see more adoption and i think we are getting there we ourselves we are launching these apps we are launch, we are seeing voice coming out so i would say the biggest thing i'm looking for 2020 is not just plans but actual adoption <laughs> actual dapps and uh, i think we are there I means we are just on that door where we are just entering the whole i uh, like you know big mix up of you know hundreds of apps and i would love to see voice becoming an ecosystem not just an app in a standalone app i would love to see how they integrate other apps how do they uh, create an ecosystem of uh, uh, you know verified users uh, that is what i would look out for and of course means as we are a big uh, stakeholder in liquid apps side i would love to see more and more people you know coming cross chain means we are very excited about all the other eosio chains we are also excited about uh, uh, bringing like kind of uh, end to this maximalism and saying that ultimately nobody cares about uh, which blockchain you're running on and that's let me also say i think we have not talked about the overall roadmap and i don't want to be too ambitious here but when we talk about dapp account the technology allows us to have these wallets which are across chains we are not going to be limiting ourselves to eos only and we can have probably everything in a single place through dapp account or all these uh, different technologies coming together that's our vision and uh, we will be doing our bit but i hope that uh, more and more people are working towards it and uh, bringing real user to attention rather than uh, talking about uh, my technology is better than yours it's exciting man that is uh, i i i i'm glad you said that it's going to be multi chain so day 1 it's just uh, dapp accounts i'm talking day 1 it's uh, basically a virtual account on on top of eos but you're saying it, with LiquidX, especially as more chains uh, deploy the contracts and you spin up the DSP on those chains, potentially any EOSIO chain could be linked to your DAP account. So you'd have a single DAP account for, your, let's say, your, like your Wax, your Talos, maybe Warbly, Ultra, and any chain in the future that is uh, willing, able, and no one has to give you permission. Like anyone could deploy these contracts. As soon as there's DSPs operating on a chain, uh, you could pretty much integrate DAP accounts. And I'm sure Rahman's going to be on top of that. Um, are there any chains in particular that you're excited to kind of expand uh, your footprint with Blockstart? Because you're like one of the few people in this ecosystem that's an OG building like crazy that has never been a block producer. So now you're able to bring your everyone, all the other block producers, they're producing on all the chains. Even Cypherglass started producing on uh, Talos and probably Wax here soon. So how, how, this is like your moment to start expanding to the other chains. Like, are there any that yeah. stand out to you? I think uh, for us, uh, I don't see a, like technically it's not very difficult. We already have we have expanded our infrastructure for Blockstar DSP as uh, you know, which can handle maybe twenty chains. Uh, it's not a matter of you know what uh, whether we will definitely enable it. It's a matter of demand whether we really have users coming users. in, apps coming in. Uh, it's some I think we can spin up maybe tomorrow uh, at least a couple of chains which are already running. And uh, now that LiquidX is out, I'm more excited. I think. By the way, I think while we have been talking about LiquidX, LiquidX and so on, you also need to understand that it came out only two days back. <laughs> the real code mm. and the deploy, <laughs> which we can deploy. We are in the middle of launching many things, but we this is definitely on our roadmap and we do want to uh, get other chains uh, onboarded. 
Uh, we do some see more interest from Vax right now. I think out of the other chains, mm-hmm. uh, they are uh, probably they already officially announced Liquidex uh, and Liquid Apps uh, excitement, and uh, there were some press releases. So I would say, if I have to guess, uh, Vax will be the first we will start with uh, mm-hmm. because of uh, their open um, openness to integrate as well as uh, ICBPs from Vax contacting me already. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, yes. Uh, but if you, I talk about other chains, I would be careful because I haven't seen that kind of enthusiasm yet mm-hmm. from them. I, I, I could agree there uh, without saying too much. I think Wax is uh, a good spot to be for, for DAP Network. I'm excited to, to see how, how they use it, the apps on there use it. Um, uh, with like NFT metadata, there's a, a really obvious use of like VRAM and storage. Like you think of like NFTs, they have usually like an image. Where is that image going to be hosted? Like it could potentially be hosted in, in liquid storage one day. Um, okay. So I think, it, I don't even know how long we've been doing this, uh, but we're not going to cut any of it out because this has been a great conversation. I hope everyone else enjoys it. Uh, I know the links are going to be in the description, uh, but where, where could everyone find everything we've talked about today? Oh, so I think the best would be for individual links, which I think uh, I would uh, love you to have them here. But I think organiccommunitymarket.com is the organic community market, Blockstart. All of you know where to catch me on Telegram or uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's the best place. Telegram for Blockstart, you can post the link here. Uh, DAP account is uh, still going to be under Blockstart. So that's where we will be discussing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, Blockument, again, we have not started social. It's still in early days, uh, but you can reach out to me or Jason. Um, and uh, I, I'm sure you will. Uh, we will send yeah. the links to you. I'm pretty sure everyone in this audience knows where to find you. So uh, this is <laughs> just like a rhetorical question here. Um, but we always close out these shows in a very particular way. I, I think you're familiar with it, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you here. So let's let's close out the show. Go yours. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. No, uh, I messed up. Do it no, again. Do well, it again. Well, we gotta we gotta like sign off first. It's like, all right, okay. until next time. I'm Zach Gall. Okay, and, and I'm Raman English. <laughs> and this <laughs> is everything. Everything. Uh, the EOS. <laughs> Man, I I'll tell you what. Okay, I have a confession to make. If you're going to cut this off anyway, <laughs> I never reached the end of your everything. Ah, <laughs> Benny admitted that the other. Ah. Ha, 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 ha.